It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 110, The Rebellion of Sheba. Proverbs 1.20 Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. In this episode, David struggles for power, and Joab invites further judgment upon himself, even as another full-blown rebellion occurs, whose bloodshed was only averted by an unnamed woman who intervenes and whose actions are symbolic of the future teachings of Solomon. After the death of Absalom, there is a sad scene when the victors return to Maenam and David learns of the death of his son. David doesn't necessarily triumph in the restoration of his kingdom and the defeat of his enemies, but he aggressively mourns for the death of his son. His mourning is so intense, it freaks the soldiers out, and the men start to lose faith in him. Joab goes to David and convinces him to console and encourage his men, stating these words. 2 Samuel 19.5 Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your daughters and sons, and lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, and that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Solomon had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Now therefore arise, go out, speak comfort to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, no one will stay with you this night, and that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Then the king arose, sat at the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king. Got to give Joab some credit for doing the right thing, but no doubt David knows of Joab's violent actions towards Absalom. And there is a fallout, a serious fallout, between the men, and Joab will no longer hold a place of honor in David's heart. Once the dust settles and the bodies are buried from the fields and woods of Ephraim, we would assume there's a tremendous rush to capitulate and surrender to David and welcome him back as king. But instead, there was a long pause of inaction. David, in turn, went to Abiathar and Zadok to inspire Judah to invite him back to power. This had impact, but he went further by offering Amasa the commander of Absalom's forces, and a foreigner who married the sister of Joab's mom, Joab's job. So by marriage, Amasa was of the tribe of Judah, but technically he was a foreigner by birth. David offered Joab's job to him if he helped David back into power in Jerusalem. 
This was what it took to get the invite back to Jerusalem, but it would be a later death sentence to Amasa, for Joab never took his position as commander of his lord's armies for granted. Now David's journey back to Jerusalem and the entire journey back to Israel is one of mercy. For David grants mercy to anyone who comes to him. In fact, he even spares the life of Shimea, the horrible man who threw the stones and curses at David as he wept on the retreat from Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 19.21 But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, answered and said, Shall not Shimea be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruah? that you should be adversaries to me this day. Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore, the king said to Shimea, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. Can't help but notice how tactful Abishai was this time, stating these words. Should not this time the one who cursed the Lord's anointed die? But David could not be convinced. He would spare even Shimei and display amazing mercy. Now this is where our story starts to sound like a History of Rome episode. For once a rebellion and succession crisis is resolved, another one develops. Here we go again. Rebellion upon rebellion. In fact, rebellion encourages a further rebellion. It seems to be a spiritual truth. Absalom, Sheba in this episode, and later Adonijah will all rebel under David's rule. Even as Judah was taking back David, the northern tribes were not completely satisfied, for Absalom had stolen their hearts and they were not going to come to David so easily. Second Samuel 20 And there happened to be a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel." So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem remained loyal to their king. So even before David arrives in Jerusalem, another rebellion has grown in strength. 2 Samuel 24 And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days and be present here yourself. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed for him. Not sure what happened here and why Amasa couldn't assemble the army in three days. This is probably because Amasa wasn't well respected by the men, and they probably disobeyed him because they didn't respect him. For he just previously commanded the army under Absalom. In turn, David goes to his faithful Abishai, the brother of Joab. 2 Samuel 26 And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So Joab's men, with the Carathites and Pelathites, and all the mighty men went after him, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. So Amasa was too slow assembling the army. In fact, he wasn't even in Jerusalem. He was up in Gibeon. Abishai and Joab came north of the army, and there was the expected confrontation between Joab and Abishai, and you can guess the outcome, and if you need a reference, thank Abner. Second Samuel 28 When they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor, 
On it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at his hips. As he was going forward, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand, and he struck him with it in the stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again, thus he died there. So Joab wasn't going to stand for another man having his job, so he killed him. Some commentaries point out that Amasa dies, but there's a space taken in the word to point out that Joab didn't strike him again, but he died over time. His wound was such that his intestines spilled out upon the road, and it was a gory scene. And he died a horrible, painful death to prove a point. And if you need another reference, there was Ehud's assassination of Eglon, which spilled out his intestines as well. Really nasty stuff. Second Samuel twenty eleven. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri, Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is with David, follow Joab. But Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the men saw that all the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him, when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. When he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba the son of Bichri. What a gory scene, but it's a very clear message. Joab was in charge of the army, no one else. This Joab is such a mystery to me, for he never tried to claim the throne himself, though he had power of the army. He capped his ruthless ambition to second in command. I think it is that he valued family over country, and he would never allow himself to depose David. Well, at least he valued close family, and there is the thought that Joab was actually no match for the mighty men and David's faithful guard under Benaiah. As gross as this scene is, I get the feel the faithful mighty men were disgusted at Joab's power play, but at the same time, they weren't too upset because they really didn't care much for this Amasa, a foreigner in their midst. Now we arrive at a city in northern Israel called Abel. I get the take, Sheba was fleeing north with his forces to accumulate the northern tribes and their armies, but also with the hope of involving the Arameans and other nations in rebelling against Israel. But Amasa was pursued too quickly for him to accumulate enough forces to challenge David sufficiently. Second Samuel twenty fourteen, And Joab went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Bethmecha and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. Then they came and challenged him in Abel of Bethmecha, and they cast up a siege mount against the city, and it stood by the rampart. And all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Pretty cool military thing going on. They built a rampart to destroy the city, and they're beating down the walls. Sheba is absolutely toast. Better yet, the city of Abel was about to be crushed, and everyone in it possibly killed by the sword of Joab. But a curious thing happens. A nameless woman intervenes. But not just a nameless woman, but a representation of something that we read of later. Back at the beginning of the episode, we started with the call of wisdom from Proverbs 1.20. So try to notice the symbolism at play with this nameless woman in Proverbs 1.20. 2 Samuel 20.16 Then a wise woman 
cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. When he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. All right, a person self-described as a female servant cried out from the concourses of the city, and it appears later the city gate. Sound familiar? Here is what she said. I find it curious that she is nameless as well, because God takes names very serious. For in a name is God's identity and purpose for an individual. This is such a big deal that back in biblical times, a baby could be named even years after their birth, when the parents truly understood the name that God had for their child and the purpose and identity. For this woman to have no name shows there's even greater weight to her anonymity and spiritual symbolism. Her message to Joab, the second in command of Israel, is the following. 2 Samuel 20:18. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, they shall surely seek guidance at Abel. And so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceful and faithful in Israel. Do you seek to destroy a city, a mother in Israel? Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Interesting, huh? She declares that counsel could be found within her walls. Guidance was there. She was a peacemaker and faithful to Israel and even a mother to Israel. Do not deny her gifts and purposes and reject or destroy her. 2 Samuel 20, 20. And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So check out her response and action and how it is not credited as righteousness or boldness, but wisdom. Could it be we have a hidden picture of wisdom herself? For she raised her voice in the city streets. She provides counsel and guidance. She is a peacemaker and faithful. She declares to not ignore or reject the gifts from her. 2 Samuel twenty twenty one. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman, in her wisdom, went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. I mean, crazy. Another female, this, this time a female-led assassination. We've had a few of these going way back to jail in the book of Judges. It's crazy to me that it says this woman, in her wisdom, went back to the people who cut off Sheba's head. So, I mean, obviously we're looking at this symbolically. Continuing our symbolic discussion, it was the wisdom of this unnamed woman, full of guidance, diligence, peacemaking, which caused them to cut off the demonic strategy of disobedience and rebellion at the head, ending further bloodshed and darkness to pollute the land. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, not with another discussion of rebellion and sin, but a prelude to the teachings of wisdom 
for it was wisdom to symbolically take down the head of this demonic snake called Sheba. Could it be, while Joab and the army were marching north, David set his heart to renew his focus and end the endless rebellions by focusing on his family and the succession of his own kingdom and the discipleship of his son and future heir, Solomon? Could it be David sat down and put together these words to teach his son, Solomon, wisdom? Even as Joab was besieging the city of Abel, beginning our transition from the eyewitness worship accounts of Psalms to the practicality and wisdom of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, a son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as David counts the army and invites judgment on the land. Feel free to visit the website messagetokings.com or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.